Welcome to Living Light Radio with your host, Ranbir Poir. That's me, where we'll give you a dose of inspiration, application, and adaptation every single week so you can embrace the light of your life and live the life of your dreams. I hope you'll join us every Friday. Welcome back. This week's episode is a little bit unique. I actually have interviewed a friend of mine, a good friend. Her name is Dr. Vanessa LaPointe. She's a child psychologist. And I did a live interview with her on a Facebook group that I've created to help support families and parents and kids during this pandemic. You can get the link to that group and join that group by clicking on the show notes. You can also, in the show notes, see the resources we have created and have always had available for you in regards to helping build resilience. Resilience is the one thing that helps manage these sorts of situations the best. If you're resilient, you're flexible, you don't crack under pressure. So these tools are good for adults and kids. So don't shy away from listening to this episode. If you don't have children, you do have an inner child. So make sure you tune in and listen and then go check out the programs that we have available to help you develop resilience. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next week. Hi, my name is Ranbir Poir. I appreciate your patience. I am a life <laughs> strategies uh, coach and I've been doing the work uh, since 2009. I'm, I built this group or brought this group together in order to help support families during this uncertain time. And the one person that I wanted to bring to you first and foremost is Dr. Vanessa LaPointe because she is one of my favorite um, parenting educators, authors, just humans. And I thought it would be so wonderful for us to have this time with her because she is, um, you know, she travels the world sharing um, her ideas um, on parenting. And I really feel excited and honored to have her here. So thank you. And if you could take a minute and introduce yourself, that would be wonderful. You want me to introduce myself, Rambeer? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a child psychologist um, professionally. Outside of that world, I'm uh, I'm just a parent. With uh, I have two boys who are now. Uh, my youngest son is going to be the 13 next week, um, and my eldest is now 16. And so, like all of you guys, I work to find my way through um, what it is to be a parent. And just because I'm a child psychologist doesn't mean that I actually have it all figured out. In fact, I think the universe often gets me. Um, you know, all sorts of really interesting challenges as a mother, so that I'll be really, really humble and really, really um, um, real and authentic about uh, the the walking of my uh, talk. Oh, yay, we've met before, Kaylee. That's cool. At a parent conference in Vancouver. Awesome. Well, nice to see you um, again. So I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to be invited by Ranbir, who's one of my favorite humans. I, I just love her energy from the first moment that I met her. Uh, we had one of those kind of um, clicks that happens when you've danced with somebody once before. And so it's a lovely thing to be uh, invited into this group uh, by Ranbir. And also just 
um, to be honored in your midst, uh, to be walking alongside all of you. These are uh, interesting times and, um, you know, we are called in times like this to really rise and be our best selves, even though that can feel uh, challenging and overwhelming and hard and, um, and especially called to all of that and especially um, open to the feelings of the challenges and all of that because we are parents whose job it is to guide our children through. So, um, so that's a little bit about me and a little bit about what I am bringing to the evening. No, oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Um, well, when you know, I was going to save this for later, but uh, <laughs> you know, we're doing everything a little less uh, interesting. Just how we today. go, right? Yeah. So you actually have been, as a parent, have been away from your sons, and another reminder that uh, no one is immune from what's happening, and it's going to touch each and every one of us in in a unique way. Our, my experience is going to be different than yours and uh, different than anyone else that's watching. So tell us a little bit about what you've been able to do as a mother uh, being separated from your sons uh, after you had been away in Australia, because right off the bat, there's a, a, you know something you had to cope with. Yeah, and so I was actually, uh, I left Vancouver March 4th to go to Australia for what should have been a month-long tour. In fact, I would have been getting home tomorrow had everything um, gone as it was supposed to go. Uh, and at the time that we left, this was just kind of getting going, but there wasn't really, you know, COVID wasn't really a thing here. There had been one or two cases, but it wasn't sort of on everybody's radar. And it became very clear, um, you know, about a week into our trip that this was developing and we were starting to really watch the news stories about it and then I was hearing lots from my team members about what was happening at home uh, and then we woke up um, uh, two weeks ago today actually um, to an urgent message from um, uh, my um, assistant saying that Trudeau had posted the warning for Canadians abroad to get home now. And so thus began the journey home. And of course, upon landing in Vancouver, we canceled the rest of the tour, which was, um, you know, heartbreaking after all of the planning and resources that went into that. But we got home safe and sound uh, and immediately went into required self-isolation. So rather than coming home during the sun-settling time and being able to just, you know, scoop my kids up and, and be the mama bear and um, be the one that's kind of, you know, guiding everybody through all of this, um, I had to come home and sequester myself in my house uh, now. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I have four more sleeps. Mm, yeah, and Almost my kids, there. it just so happens that I am divorced and I've been joking along the way that the upside to that at this point is that my children do have two homes. So they've been able to stay comfortably in their house with their dad. Uh, they will come back to me Monday morning. And it's really been upon me as a mother during this time, two big things. One, um, to figure out how to be connected with my children whilst apart. Uh, and the second thing is to figure out how do I step in and provide? How do I step in and be um, a leader for them at this time? How do I you know, make sure that I'm creating an energetic space around them that feels safe and feels healthy and feels strong and all of those kinds of things when I don't get to be with them. And so um, uh, it's been an interesting, challenging times. I'd be lying to you if it was, you know, all sunshine and roses and I've just found my way through and it's been gorgeous. I've had, 
you know, two or three dark nights of the soul along the way. I've, you know, gone and laid down on my kid's bed and cried my face off several times um, and had to be very human about the um, emotions that I'm feeling in this as a human, as a mother, um, and as a mother who's uh, presently uh, not able to be physically with her children. So it's been an interesting ride. Yeah, and that's what I love about my conversations or our conversations is that you will you are always so raw and open and share. Mm-hmm. And I think as people, you know, people look up to you or look to you for guidance on how to be the best parent they can be. And it's always it always comes back to be the best you, right? Yeah. Be be, be you, and not the best you. Just be you. Yeah. And that's where you and I always connect. And I find it really wonderful that when you talk about things that like, I think you were saying last week, being apart, but not being alone and how important that is. Um, and, and this impacts people that do have, um, separated families because this has been a big talk and it was one of the topics I wanted to talk to you about how so many people have contacted me and for example, asking, well, where do I, where do the kids stay? Yeah. Like, you know, how does, so how does this impact the kids when they do have two homes? So maybe quickly, if you could talk a little bit about, about that and what you would, what advice would you give to parents that, or families that have two or more homes? Yeah. And I think the idea is that, um, you know, when life is kind of ticking along, we might have challenges and we might have things that are a little bit difficult, but when these big, um, scale kinds of um, awakenings, <laughs> uh, difficult times present themselves to us. Um, the things that felt challenging before very often will be, you know, just explosively challenging. And so I have heard also, Rambir, from a number of families who are in that exact position. Uh, I've done several media interviews this week about co-parenting during, during COVID. It seems to be kind of on a lot of people's minds. And so I think there's kind of two places that we come at from that. One is that your children are going to be unsettled right now. And what we know from the science of child development is that the surefire way back to having kids feel regulated, having them feel um, like they can find some rest in our care, is to make sure that we are emotionally connected to our children. Now, of course, it can be a lot easier to be emotionally connected to our children when we are also physically with our children. But there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of ways that we can be with our children, even if we're not physically with our children. And so it would be finding ways to reach out and connect. It would be making sure that you're getting your FaceTime calls in. It would be making sure that you're texting. It would be making sure that they felt thought of, uh, that um, even in the random moments over the course of the day, that there's not long periods where they're left to wonder, are you thinking about that? Um, And so to find ways to be with even while you're apart. The other piece that I think is so important in this is that children will feel what is between the parents and often they will express what is between the parents. And so if the field between mom and dad is toxic and gross and yucky, then the child feels that and will express that. And then you can imagine adding to that challenging dynamic the intensity of this pandemic. Um, and you can see how kids in that kind of a situation would begin to feel increasingly undone by it. And so it really is a call to anybody in a co-parenting kind of dynamic, particularly if there is conflict within that dynamic, to figure out what is your piece in that. 
that because we all have a piece. And not to try and fix the other parent, but rather to work on what is it that you have to learn in this moment. For there is only this moment and this moment is perfect. And how do you get to grow yourself up so that you can step forward with the energy of the great mother or the great father and be very, very present. And in that kind of uh, stepping forward, you detoxify the field between you and the co-parent. And so, you know, coming at it from making sure you're very connected to your children, but also using this as an opportunity to heal um, within yourself and to have that healing leak into the co-parenting dynamic would be sort of how I would be approaching that uh, right abs now. Abs yeah, no, that's so incredible. I, I love that. Um, one of the, one of the sort of it's a three-point check that I use uh, for, you know, that I try to talk about is um, having, you know, check your inner dialogue to, to reduce that toxicity. So ask yourself, are the thoughts you're speaking to yourself kind, true, and necessary? Mm. And then when you can apply that to your conversations with your partner or your ex-partner or your co-parent, it allows you to maybe help, you know, make that space between you a little bit better for your kids because they uh <laughs> you know that that's not their stuff right that's not their stuff yeah um, and, and that's what a lot of a lot of what's happening i've seen a lot on facebook a lot on instagram um i always struggle with this because i'm quite the empath and sometimes it hurts my heart when i see parents yeah. really ranting and right uh, getting quite upset about having this having to be with their children during this time and, and that's not the norm, but, you know, they, they, those memes and stuff do stand out quite a bit. And I always find them a little bit concerning because I think about it from the kid's perspective, as you know. Yeah. Um, what would you recommend uh, to parents that are starting to feel frustrated by having all like it's like the meme of the, the the cat versus the dog the dog's all happy that you're home and the cat's like oh my gosh go get out of my space right? <laughs> and so all of a sudden now we have kids in our space and what do you recommend moms or dads or caregivers do how do they manage this onslaught of energy that's coming at them yeah, so I guess where I would start with that is by acknowledging that we're never upset for the reasons that we think. And all of life is a story. It can feel very concrete and it can feel very real, but all of life is a story because everything that we experience, we experience through the veil of our perception. And so nothing is actually true. Everything that we live is relative to our understanding of that moment, our perception of the moment. And so, you know, I, I once went and listened to Eckhart Tolle speak um, downtown Vancouver at the Orpheum, and he said, listen guys, well, he didn't talk that way. You know how Eckhart talks. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, you live in Vancouver, and it rains here nine months out of the year. So you can wake up every morning and look out your window at the gray skies and the rain coming down and you can think to yourself, it's another rainy day. Ugh. Or you can look out your window at the rain coming down and you can think to yourself, oh look, there is water falling from the sky. You decide. And your decision in that determines your experience of that day. And so now our children have come home. In fact, if I had to say to you, what do I think is the wake up call in this pandemic? I think the wake up call is that we all needed to be called home. 
Uh, we needed to be called home to our families. We needed to be called home to our children. And we needed to be called home to ourselves as adults. And so um, we are now at home and we have our children all around us and we can spin a tale that causes us to feel very frustrated and overwhelmed and, um, um, you know, uh, affronted and all of that. Or we can spin a tale that takes us down a decidedly different path. And not to say that it's all going to be sunshine and roses if we decide to walk down that path, but rather to say that our thoughts create our reality and we can make... Um, you know, white magic or black magic with our words. And so uh, we decide uh, how we're going to walk that trajectory. And then with that kind of energy, you know, as the kids fight for the 12th time that day, or, you know, they're all up in your business and all in your space and you're trying to get work done and, and, and work is feeling especially stressful right now because everybody's trying to hold on to their jobs and figure out how to get through all of this. Um, you, you can step in then with boundaries. You can step in then with expectations. You can step in with routines. You can step in with, you know, establishing some time of the day where everybody just goes off to their spaces and we all have some alone time. <laughs> you know, like you come up with the things that are going to work for your family, but you must do that from a space of being. It is the energy with inside of you that determines your space of being and from the space of being flows your doing. And so the decisions about how you're going to navigate this so your kids don't make you crazy uh, during this um, time of forced isolation, um, your decisions about how to navigate must flow from the being. And then you'll land on how to find your way through. Well said. Well mm -hmm. said. Kaylee was saying, she said, I feel like our children in 20 years will look back on this pandemic and remember all the good times we spent together at home, the games, the crafts, all the pizza, and the movie nights. And um, for our family uh, and a few of my really good friends, we love, we're homebodies anyway, so anytime we get to be home, we're really happy and excited. So it's been going okay, but what's happening is the missing of the friendships, mm -hmm. um, the missing of the social network and the connection that way, which we're trying to do digitally. And mm -hmm. I think one of the interesting things when we talk about coming home is that one of the things that might come out of this is our kids will really not want to be on anything digital for a while. They'll want to like, detox. You know, <laughs> right? Like they'll want to detox from it. So what are your thoughts on, on, on like when we talk about coming home and having this opportunity to reset and uh, refocus uh, by being forced to be in our own space? And I think sometimes you've got to get uncomfortable to grow. Yeah, no challenge, know? no growth, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think that the impact on the kids will be? Um, yeah. I mean, I think a few things. I think, first of all, if I had to identify as a psychologist, the quote pandemic that is affecting our children, particularly in, you know, like uh, North America and other, um, I suppose we call them developed countries. Mm -hmm. um, the pandemic affecting us is that we have lost our lead position with our children. Our children have become what the local psychologist here in Vancouver, Gordon Neufeld, refers to as peer-oriented, where they're, because of the social systems and structures that we have in place, we have pushed our children out of the family home very early on in life. Um, and not because we put them in daycare and other things. It's more an energetic thing where we've, we've actually wanted for them to be socialized by peers rather than socialized by us. And that wasn't actually ever 
you know, nature's way. Nature's way is that children are meant to be socialized by the adults with whom they have their most secure attachments, um, i.e. within the um, the context of the family setting. And so one of the things is, yes, it's uncomfortable and it's a change in, in a step in the dance. And we don't like that. Like we as human beings, we're like, no, 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 no. We've always done it this way. So we just want to keep doing it that way. Um, I don't think that way was working. I think that we really, um, I, I've often said, I mean, I've been saying for years, the very most challenging dynamic to get changed around within a family system um, is a parent-child relationship that's gone topsy-turvy where the child is in the lead. And in my observation, most of our children are in the lead of us, even though we think we're the parents. They're actually kind of calling the shots and we're kind of running along from behind trying to keep up with with that sort of cultural dynamic. And so that we have been called home and our children are now stuck. Like they've literally had ties with friends, the potent ties with friends, severed. And so now they're like looking around, well, I guess it's us and uh, mom and dad that are gonna be hanging out now. And so we get this really stunning opportunity to step back into the lead, which really, you know, when we look at the anxiety epidemic, we look at all of the, the mental health challenges um, that our kids are facing, that really does put us in a stunningly beautiful position. And so I, I kind of think um, not a terrible thing that our kids have to rail against the futility of this and we all must get used to the new reality of um, being at home with our children and having our children kind of disconnected from their, their friends. They don't need their friends, they need their people. Oh no, I love that. I, I, I mean, I was raised, my, my parents are from India, so the parenting philosophy was very different than the West. Right. So when I had my first son, Isaac, he's, well, our kids are the same age, so he's gonna be 16 this year. I remember people telling me about, you know, trying to create that separation so early between my kid and me, and I couldn't, it made me yeah. nauseous, because yeah. that's not how I was taught, or wasn't sort of in my, you know, belief system, and it's, it brings up an interesting conversation I have often, is that in the East, you know, time alone is considered the greatest act of self-love, mm -hmm. and in the West, we've told, we put our kids away and give them this time alone as a form of punishment, mm -hmm. so now we're all having this time alone, and, and there's this, there's some confusion, right, and, like it feels like we're being punished because we're being alone, and yet we have this right. beautiful homecoming. Yeah. And a beautiful opportunity to connect with the the, the beings that made us our parents and right. all of that real deep 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 connection. And I feel like it's an like you said an opportunity for us to really mm. ground ourselves. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's an opportunity to take that grounding to that level that's necessary because of the stats of what's, of what's happening with our yeah. children. It's not, not good. Yeah. I love that. What you've just said, Rambir, about um, how we, like, we really have weaponized aloneness rather yeah. than embraced it. I've spoken before about the concept of boredom and how it's in the stillness of boredom that we are able to hear our own selves speak. Um, and, uh, and it strikes me that in, in a similar way, we're being forced into boredom. It's just that now we have to listen to our own selves speak in a sea of fear. You know, like there's fear just in the air everywhere around us and to sit and be able to hold ourselves in, in that aloneness and that, um, you know, boredom or whatever you're going to call it, stillness, to hold ourselves in and to keep uh, fear out um, so that fear doesn't become our virus.
And when we think about fear, what are your thoughts? Like when I think about fear, and I'd love to hear what you think about this and fear in children. When I am talking to my kids about it, I will just say it, it's when you're talking about the idea of something you're afraid of, it's, it's a realm on the, on, on the, of possibility. So if that's possible, the exact opposite is possible too. So that intense, immense joy is possible. How would you advise parents to help their children ask those big lofty questions that are the, because when we talk about fear, like no one ever questions the big lofty question that's fearful right but when we talk about why is my life so great or why am I so blessed to have this mother who's making me whatever like that question is always questioned so how can we help parents have the big lofty question in the other direction in the in the negative or in the positive in the positive <laughs> yeah the negative quite well yeah, we, we're, we're, um, we're kind of like socialized and wired to do the negative very well, right? And I think what it is, is that, you know, uh, where there's challenge, there's growth. And so while we get to chew on the things that are, you know, potentially fearful, we also get to rest in the idea um, that we, we are all limitless in our, our potential. And so when we can connect with that and we can think then about what are the possibilities in this, um, you know, maybe I'm going to lose my business. And I have never been, my partner and I were just talking about this earlier today, I don't know the last time that I felt so creative and so um, so energized and so kind of innovative in the ways that I'm thinking about connecting with my families, my um, client families, and the ways that I'm thinking about, you know, connecting with the world. Uh, like legit, up until 10 days ago, I had done one Facebook Live in my life. <laughs> And now I don't even know how many I've done. There's been so many of them over the last week. And so, um, you know, I, I think that there's, there's just the air sparkles with possibility and potential. And it behooves us to land on those kinds of things. We tend to be, um, you know, uh, Teflon to the positive and Velcro to the negative. And what if we could just, like, begin to kind of, like, um, switch that dynamic around so that we could allow the positive to enter in. And we, you know, thoughts are just thoughts. We get to decide if we're going to believe them or not. Mm -hmm. And so what an interesting time to be a parent and get to have those kinds of discussions with your kids. Like, yeah. let's, let's do that and let's just, like, change the world. Yeah, yeah. because some of the thoughts, like some of the fearful thoughts, for example, that uh, I'm, my kids don't necessarily have but I've heard other kids call and ask me about or families is is the hygiene mm -hmm. and obsessive the obsessive what happened like they have to wash their hands mm -hmm. to be safe but now like the fear of if I don't wash my hands something bad's going to happen to me all that sort of really really big stuff that kids are going through when it comes to those sort of what used to be everyday little things are now everyday very big things what advice would you have for parents in helping them make sure that while they take care to be hygienic and all these or mindful of the news and all that kind of stuff, how do we keep our kids from not diving into the deep end? Yeah. You know, I think um, part of it is as parents, how, how we how we allow our children to rest into our leadership around that. Um, because if we're very fearful, if we're like, no, 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 sweetie, like wash your hands. No, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't touch your face. Oh, 
Like if that's our energy and if that's the, the way in which we are instructing, directing, teaching our kids, then they're, they're going to pick up perhaps some of that. The other thing is, even beyond all of that, you might have kids that, you know, they're talking to their friends or they're hearing from the world around and they're really picking up on the energy of fear in the air. And so they start to feel undone and, you know, overwhelmed by all of that. And to think about, like, think about our bodies, you guys. We are made to survive. Our bodies are um, so incredible in the kinds of um, things that they can take on, the way that they can recover from that, the strength that is inherent um, to like down to our individual cells. We are really incredible that way. And um, one of my uh, friends, she's an Australian um, music therapist. Uh, and she she sings daily mantras, and so she sang this mantra which she posted up about a week ago, and it's gone um, crazy viral, which is a funny word to use right now in the context of this conversation. Um, and it was this mantra about how every little cell in her body is happy, every little cell in my body as well, and uh, and. And literally, it has like millions of reposts and views, and uh, millions of people have since sang that song and posted it to their stories. Uh, it was headline news on the BBC. There's a filmmaker now who's um, making a film about the potency of that song and why it touched people so much. And it's because when we are danced to the recognition of how powerful we are, if we can just rest into um, the strength inherent to our beings and inherent to our bodies and inherent to our individual cells, that's, um, you know, a pretty powerful gift to give our children. And so we'll see. I, I'm, you know, I've been having conversations with my own children and my, uh, one of my boys um, sometimes can, he's a, he's a very, very sensitive human. And so he'll, he'll be smelling the air right now and he'll have, I'm quite sure some thoughts about this. And of course I've been, you know, working to lead um, from afar, but we'll be, I'll be very interested to see when he comes home, how we navigate the conversation of how incredible his body is in the face of what uh, I am certain will be some real fear on the inside of him. Yeah, and it's hard not to be afraid, and I feel like it's good for us to be okay with being a little bit afraid because yeah. we, we can we can be a little bit, and you know, the other side of fear is that courage, and, mm. and that's pretty awesome too. So yeah. it's uh, it, it, it's just that dance. Um, yeah. When you're thinking, because you've just uh, you were just on a book tour, a really um, I would love to hear a little bit about the book uh, mm. as well. And you're launching something really brand new uh, when you're talking about you being in a creative space and being able to do stuff that you hadn't done before. I haven't done Facebook Lives really, I don't think, before. I'm really out of my comfort zone and doing all this stuff too, so it's cool because it pushes us. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about Parenting 2.0. Tell us a little bit about the book for the people that haven't had a chance to dive into your incredible work. I'd love to share a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm delighted to talk about that. Thank you. So, um, so my latest book is called Parenting Right from the Start, and you can interpret the title however you want: Parenting Correctly from the Start or Parenting Right from the Start. Um, and to know that it's never too late to parent right from the start, just in case anybody out there is getting worried <laughs> when you hear the title. And how I arrived at writing that book is sort of an interesting journey. Um, first of all, that's the book that I really wish that I would have had when I was uh, a brand new mother, uh, because I, I sort of felt like 
you know, heading into becoming a parent, I was going to be so good at this. I was always so good with kids. I was a child psychologist. Like, of course, I was going to have it all figured out. Um, and then over time, what happened is that I became, um, almost immediately, actually, when my son was born, I started to second guess myself. And, you know, and then life played out. And um, we're now 16 and some years later, and um, I got divorced along the way, which was a really, really challenging um, time in my life for many years, actually. Um, and I had to kind of figure out a few things. And, and prime amongst them was the idea that I had a lot of knowledge up here, but I didn't always experience myself. Uh, in fact, often I experienced myself as somebody who wasn't able to translate that knowledge into real time and into my real life. And so why was it happening that I could know all of these things, but I couldn't be all of these things? And, um, and so, of course, I was called to do my work. And what I mean by that is I had my head smashed into the brick wall of life where it wasn't working the way that I was doing it. Um, you know, I was having panic attacks uh, every night in the middle of the night. I, I really was overwhelmed um, by what it was that was happening inside of me and I couldn't quite make sense of all of that. Uh, and so um, through the course of my marriage falling apart, I um, found a mentor, a guide, a teacher um, who uh, worked with me to help me understand uh, that there's actually sort of another whole layer of myself that I hadn't really deeply explored. And so our conscious mind, the mind where we have all of this gorgeous knowledge and the mind where we think from and do all of this stuff, our conscious mind is the one that most of us are aware of and that we can kind of, you know, we know it, we understand it, and we can figure it out. But underneath the surface, it's sort of like that iceberg analogy where you, your conscious mind is like the tip of the iceberg that's peeking out from the water. But underneath the surface is this whole giant mass. And that is your subconscious mind. And what I learned is that I was being run by all of these programs emanating from my subconscious mind. Uh, and they were like running the show. I thought. I knew all of these things and I thought as a child psychologist, you know, that I would be able to figure this all out. Um, and I had lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson that got louder and louder and louder and louder, showing me that I, I, I wasn't figuring it out. It wasn't working. I had all of the head knowledge, but I could not get it to translate into heart knowledge. And so I was forced to um, get to know myself. I was forced to get to know um, the light and dark parts of myself, and I was forced to grow myself up uh, and not um, uh, and not in an easy kind of way. Growing oneself up means that you make sense of the parts of you that are as yet ungrown, the parts of you that are easily triggered, the parts of you that are still wounded, and you get to um, bring all of that subconscious stuff up to the light of day um, so that you can make sense of how those programs run in your day-to-day -day world. You can heal some of those programs, rewrite some of those programs. Um, and so it became just so incredibly clear to me that we have to grow ourselves in order to show up and grow our children, which is how the book came about. The first half of the book really is focused on um, giving you some knowledge as a parent about the way your child is going to develop, about the way um, human brains grow, about the kinds of conditions that our kids need around them to grow in the best kind of way. Um, my background is in neuropsychology, and so I bring a lot of that stuff in. Uh, but in addition to that, how you grow yourself and how it is that we can be walking around, you know, in the form of an adult body, but not actually be growing within ourselves. Um, and then it transitions from there in terms of applying all of that information to kinds of 
of the key challenges that show up in our lives when we're growing kids up. Things like, you know, sibling rivalry and aggression and, um, you know, all of the stuff that presents. Um, so that's the book. And the book has been um, since sort of translated, if you will, into a parenting course. Uh, that I co-created with my partner, who also happens to be a parent educator, David Voist. And the course is called Parenting 2.0. And it blends consciousness, the kinds of stuff I was talking about in terms of growing ourselves, alongside with attachment, which is what we know to be the most essential need of all human beings everywhere. And the idea that um, child development is a real thing, that we must have appropriate expectations of our children along the way to have them experience us as big people who are stepping in softly and Capably. And so the Parenting 2.0 course takes all of those things and loads them together. And then the Parenting 2.0 consultations uh, sessions that I do are about sort of fleshing that out on an individual um, level with um, clients in one-on-one -on -one sessions. And so... And you haven't done those for a long time, so it's... it's no, a, it's a I haven't... <laughs> yeah, thank you. I haven't taken new clients on for um, a solid five years and counting. And so um, just this past week, I reopened that avenue. Uh, turns out you got lots of time when you're sitting in isolation at home. And um, I do have to show you, though, I'm like all business on top. Like I got, you know, a nice shirt on. Um, but I am dressed to work appropriately from home with my um, fuzzy um, socks on. <laughs> Yeah. So well, it has its upside. Yeah, it does. I did a, I did a, I'm part of a, a U.S. network uh, called Kim Show, and I did a, a Facebook Live with uh, jogging pants on the bottom. Yeah, oh, I like those. <laughs> I, I went a little bit worse. I wore a nice top and then jogging pants below. Love it. So that was, uh, that was a little funny. You know, I, I want to come back to something you said because I think it's so important and it ties back to stuff, like I said, from, from the East that I know mm. in my parenting style. Uh, and I've always been taught that the longest distance in the world is from the head to the heart. Oh. And, and, and when you were talking about that, that journey for yourself, you know, connecting the head and the heart, and, and it's just so powerful because it really is a long journey from one to the other. Mm. And it's the most incredible journey, but it's also one of the hardest journeys to have and make. Yeah. And I, you know, I just think I love that languaging. You just open your mouth and poetry comes out. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, I borrowed that. I think I don't, I didn't come up with that. I just was taught that, you know. So. If we could all be so lucky to be taught that and to have that be part of our understanding of how it all works that's brilliant mm. but i just when i heard you talk about that that's what it made me think of yeah. it made me think of of, of eastern philosophy mm -hmm. and thinking about how it is the longest journey but it is the most incredible one and while you're home with your children uh with your partner or by yourself um you know hats off to everybody because this is such a difficult um bizarre time. I don't even know what else to call it. It feels bizarre. It is, I know yeah. that I, yeah, when I went into the grocery store, I'm an empath, so I feel energy. And I, you know, had to hold back tears as I bought my groceries because I could feel the, sh the, the shift in the energy in the space that I'm used to being there yeah. quick and fast. And it just felt very, very different. Yeah. Before we wrap up, because I know we started late, but I still want to be respectful of your time because you have had a full calendar. Mm -hmm. 
are there any questions from the people that are on with us that would like to pop up and ask questions we you know had a an interesting dialogue but Rambir, I've got to charge my phone. So you keep talking. Okay. I'm going to go and grab my cord. Okay. So is there any anybody that has a question? Um, please uh, put, put it in the comments. If I could talk. Put, 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 put. I'm going to wrap now. Put, 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 put it in the comments. <laughs> um, oh, the every little cell. Um, she, uh, Vanessa's just quickly charging her phone. The... I think it says every little cell in my body as well, but I can't remember exactly, Lizzie. So I will, uh, when she comes back, she and David did a cute little rendition of the song on, on, their inst on her Instagram. So I think it's every little cell in my body as well. Okay, there we are. I can yeah. tell you what it is. Oh, there we go. She's, yeah. Um, so the, the song is... Um, if you go onto Allison Davies with two L's, um, I, Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, um, dot Davies on either Instagram or Facebook, you'll find it. Or just go on hashtag every little cell because it is all over the world right now. Um, and the song is every little cell in my body is happy. Every little cell in my body is well. I'm so glad every little cell, every little cell in my body is well. Also, I don't sing, so. <laughs> you sing really well. Holy smokes. I was just thinking, wow, that's beautiful. You have such a lovely singing voice. You know, my very sensitive son, for the, his first six weeks on the planet, he cried his head off um, because it's too much for him to be alive. And so I was like, oh, my job as a mother is to sing to my baby who's crying all the time. And then I realized six weeks on and canting that it was actually the sound of my singing voice that was upsetting him because his ears were so sensitive. <laughs> so I don't think I'm over it yet. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even have a comeback for that. Like, I'm speechless. <laughs> And I'm not speechless often, so, you know, we had, uh, we, uh, you know, as, as you guys have witnessed, uh, it took us, you know, quite a bit of time to get this Facebook group organized or the live organized, and um, I appreciate the patience that everyone's had. I appreciate your patience, Vanessa, because it wasn't easy to get this running. We assumed it would be very, very easy, <laughs> and it wasn't, and... Uh, I'm just so grateful to be uh, able to host you here with this group mm. and uh, the replay will stay up so people can tune in and listen. And um, I don't know if you're able to type in a link um, to mm. your site or, you know, if, if you all can go follow uh, Vanessa on Instagram and Facebook, then you can get access to her feed um, and to the Parenting 2.0 course, which I think is on sale right now. Yeah, we put it, we figured everybody's trapped at home. So um, it might be a lovely thing to just put the course on sale. <laughs> yeah. And then you can do some self-study while you're at home. So it's it's 40% off now. I think the code is Vanessa40. But if you if you go on my website, drvanessalapointe.com, um, I think it's just all posted up there. If it's not, you can just message me and I'll get you the code. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with? 
You know, the only thing that I would say in parting is um, now is our time uh, to head out in the world um, and to be light workers. You know, the world is um, on the precipice. I just feel like we're we're sort of balancing on the precipice of tipping over into this new way of being, and it would be just so incredible. I feel this is going to um, date me or maybe it's not, I don't know. But if you grew up watching Care Bears and you know how the Care Bears would do like the Care Bear stare, I feel like we just need to Care Bear stare love out into the world right now so that love becomes what virally infects all of us during this pandemic rather than having it be fear. Oh, lovely, lovely. Mm -hmm. And don't forget to put that love right into you too thank you darling yeah thank you thank you thank you everyone for tuning in and uh if you have any questions for dr vanessa lapointe you can head over to her page or you can post them here she does as uh, she is a member in our group here too and you can follow her on instagram it's one of my favorite people on the planet so Aww. thank you so so much for coming in and joining us and your patience like i said <laughs> With Facebook Live. So. Oh, I shine it all right back. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, I think you've got the live started. So whenever you're ready, you can okay. uh, sign off. Thank you so much. Sending love to all. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to visit our site, www.freewithin.me. Talk to you next week.